0: This is a story from Norway, a classic folktale, and it's called The Companion. Now there was once a peasant's son who dreamed that he would marry a beautiful princess, the daughter of a king of a far-off land that he'd never heard of and didn't know where it was. But the dream was so real that when he woke up in the morning, he could swear that he still could see her standing in front of him. And oh, she was beautiful. She was all white and red like milk and blood. Ah, she was gorgeous. And his heart belonged to her and no one else. So he sold what few possessions he had, and with the money he set off. And he walked, and he walked, and he walked, and he walked, and he better walked, until eventually he came to a land where all the roads lay end to end in one straight line, not going this way or that way, just straight on. And he walked, and he walked, three months down that road until he came to a city. Now, he went into the city, and he came towards a church. And there, outside the church, there was a large block of ice. And he noticed that whenever people walked past it, they spat on it. Why on earth would anyone do that, he thought. So he went over to look more closely at this huge chunk of ice which was so cold that it didn't even melt. If it was a hot day then some of the surface would melt but it was so cold it would just freeze again. Well, when he was looking at this strange huge block of ice he could see to his horror that there was someone inside it. There was a man in the ice, frozen solid. Well, this seemed very peculiar, and all the people walking past it on the way into church spat at him. Who was he? And what had he done to deserve such a fate? The man wondered. Now he waited for a while until eventually the priest came out of the church. And the young man went over to him and and he said, Excuse me, Father, but who is this here? And, And why is there a man in a block of ice? And why do people treat him that way, spitting on him as they go past? Cushing him? I mean, why? Well, said the priest, he was a terrible sinner, a wrongdoer who was executed and encased in ice, and forevermore he will get the scorn and the derision of all the people in this city. They will always spit on him and call him names as they go by. Why? What had he done? He was a terrible sinner in life. Well, what crime did he commit? He was a vintner, a wine tapper, a man who sells wine. And it was discovered that he was mixing water with his wine. Well, that doesn't sound so terrible said the young man. I mean, not bad enough to have a fate like this. I mean, he's already paid for that crime with his life. Surely he can be buried in holy ground and, and, you know, treated with some respect. Respect, said the priest. Huh, why would we do that? And also, who would pay for that? I mean, what you're talking about, we would have to get men here with axes to break the block of ice and take the body out. And then you'd have to pay for a coffin and a piece of consecrated soil in the graveyard, in the churchyard. So you'd have to buy that, and then you would have to pay for the grave digger to dig the grave. You'd have to pay for the sexton to... Say, sing hymns over him and you'd have to pay me, the priest in order to conduct the ceremony and then there would be the matter of having some sort of a celebration of his life afterwards and I mean who's going to pay for that well the young man didn't have much money he'd sold everything he had in the world but still it wasn't much but He dug out what money he had and, kind of working out how much it was likely to cost, he said, well, I will pay for it. I will give you the last money that I have in order to give this man a decent burial in consecrated soil so that his soul can rest in peace. Well, as soon as the young man produced the money, the priest said that that was fine and they would do that. So, men were sent for with axes and they broke the ice and they took out the body of the poor frozen vintner, the poor wine tapper. And a coffin was made and he was placed in that Taken to the church. The grave was dug. The sexton sang hymns. And the priest conducted a funeral service over him. And he was laid in holy ground. Near the church. And afterwards there was a fine meal. And people drank wine. Which might have been watered down. Who knows. And... They all said nice things about him now, which was more than they had done before, shall we say. People can be very two-faced. Well, the man was buried, and now the poor young man had very few pennies in his pocket, but he felt that he had done something that should be done. So he set off, walking along that long, long road again. Now after he'd gone some distance, he heard a shout behind him, and he turned around, and here was a man coming, heading towards him. A man a bit older than he was, but a stranger. And the man said, Could you do with a servant, sir? "Mm, No, he said. I've never had a servant. i am always been my own servant. Ah, but I'm sure you could do with a servant to help you. <sighs> well, even if I did want a servant, I couldn't afford one. He said, I, I, I don't have any money. I couldn't pay you. Well, I'll tell you what, he said. If you don't want a servant, would you like a companion? I can keep you company along the road. And I know this place a bit better than you do. I could help you. And you know, it wouldn't cost you a penny. Because I wouldn't take any food from you, or any clothes from you. And it just wouldn't cost you a penny, but I could be good company for you. Good cheer on the road ahead. Well, I would happily accept that, said the young. I'd be delighted to have your company. So the man set off walking with him, and usually the stranger walked ahead a bit further, and he showed him the way to go. And they walked on and on and on, and they travelled over moors and around lakes, and they came to mountains. And then the companion walked up to a spur, of a mountain and he knocked on the side of it and said open up whoever is in there and with that a door opened up in the side of the mountain well the man wasn't expecting this but they went in and looked around and an old troll hag came over to them and she was carrying a chair and she set it down and she said now Sit on the chair. I'm sure you must be tired after such a long journey. But the companion fixed her in the eye and he said, No, sit on the chair yourself. And you know, the young man couldn't believe it. But the troll woman did exactly as she was told. It was almost like this man had power over her. She also seemed to be scared of him. But she sat down in the chair, and as soon as her bum was on that chair, she couldn't move. She was stuck. You see, the chair was enchanted, and that was her plan. Get them to sit in it, they would never be able to get out of it again. And then she could kill them and eat them. Well, then the companion started searching the place where the old troll hag lived and eventually he saw a sword hanging on the wall, and he took the sword down, and he went back to the troll, and he said, "'I want this sword.' "'No, no, no,' she said. "'I can't give you the sword, anything but the sword. "'There's plenty of treasure in here. "'I'll give you as much as you like.' "'No, no,' he said. "'I want the sword, but I can't give you the sword.' "'That's a three-sister sword,' she said. "'It belongs to me and my two sisters. "'The three sisters own it between them. "'I can't give it to you.' "'Fine,' said the man. "'In that case, you can sit there until the world ends.' "'Oh, please let me out the chair. "'No, not unless you give us the sword.' "'So the troll hag agreed. "'They could have the three-sister sword. "'But then... The companion told the young man to come with him, and they went out, and they didn't release the troll from the chair. Now, on they walked over more moors and over around more water, till they came to another spur in the mountains. And then the companion knocked on the side of the rock and said, ''Open up, whoever is in there!'' And a door again opened up, and they went in, and another troll hag came over, carrying a chair, and said, "'Sit down in the chair. You must be very tired after your journey.' "'You sit in the chair,' said the man, the companion. "'Well, again, the old troll woman seemed to be afraid of him, and she sat in the chair, and then she was stuck. "'And?' The man went and searched and searched and searched until he found a ball of golden thread, a ball of golden yarn. And he said to the troll, I want this ball of yarn. Oh, let me out, she says, and I'll give you anything else but not that. No, he said, I want this ball of golden yarn. Oh, but I can't give you that. It's not mine to give, she said. That's a three-sister ball ball of yarn. I own it with my sisters. I can't give it away. Then, In that case, you can sit there until the world ends. No, no, please release me, she said. I'll let you take the ball of yarn. Thank you, said the companion. And then he signalled to the young man to come with him. And they went out, and they left the troll woman sitting in the chair, stuck fast. They walked, and they walked, and they better walk till they came to another spur in the mountain. And then the companion knocked on it, and the door opened. And in they went. And there was another old troll hag. And she came with another chair. Sit down, you must be tired. You sit down, said the companion. As soon as the old troll woman heard that, again there was fear in her eyes, and she sat in the chair, and she was stuck too. Only the companion could release her. But then he went searching. And he looked around until he saw an old hat hanging on a peg. And he came over and he said, I'll let you out the chair if you give me this hat. I can't give you the hat, she said. Anything else in here but the hat. I mean, as galore. I want this hat. But it's a three-sister hat, she said. I don't own it. It belongs to me and my sisters. I can't give it to you. In that case, you can sit there until the world ends. Oh, no, please let me out, she said. Ah, You can have the hat. So the companion turned around, with the young man, walked out the door and left the old troll woman sitting in the chair. And they walked, and they walked for a long time till they came to a fjord, a big, long bay cut into the rocks, deep water below. And then the companion took the ball of golden yarn, and he threw it with all his might right across, right across the fjord. It had the rock wall on the other side and it bounced straight back to him. And he did this a few times until it turned into a bridge. And then they walked across the bridge till they were on the other side. Now quick, said the companion, wind up this yarn because the troll hags will be chasing us now. They will have got out their chairs and they will tear us to shreds if they catch us. So the young man starts to frantically wind up this ball of yarn, and he's just got it to the last piece of yarn going across to the other side, when suddenly there was the three hags, the three sisters, the trolls, and they were bellowing and screaming out at them. Oh, they were mad. They were angry. This young man had cheated them, out of their magic possessions, and oh, they were mad. Well, the young man just got the last thread wound up, but the trolls were running so fast that they couldn't stop, and they fell head first into the fjord, and down they tumbled into the water with a splash, and that was the finish of them. Now... They walked on and on and on again until they came to a great big castle. This, said the companion, is where the princess that you dreamt of lives. And I will tell you how you can win her as your wife. So in they went. Well, the king met them and treated them very well. And the princess was sitting at the table as well, and they were invited to come and eat, and they were shown to the rooms as well. And The young man had a room, and the companion, who was considered to be his servant, had the room next door. Now, they went down, and they were having a nice meal, and the young man told the princess all about how he had dreamed about her, How it was definitely hard, because he had seen her in a dream, and he wanted to marry her. Well, she said, I would be happy to have you as a husband, but first I have to give you three tests, and if you can do what I ask, then you will have my hand in marriage. Oh, anything, said the young man, anything at all. I don't think it's asking too much of you, said the princess. Here, take these golden scissors. And she gave the young man a pair of golden scissors. Look after them and hide them well, she said. And if you can give them back to me at twelve noon tomorrow, then I will consider that task, first task, complete. But if you can't give them back to me, Then the law of the land says that your head must roll, and it will be stuck on a spike on my father's wall, just like those suitors out there. And the young man looked out the window, and there was a line of heads all on spikes around the top of the wall. Ooh, not nice. But then the princess became very happy, and very playful. And she chumped about and frisked around. And she played with the young man. She tackled him and she danced with him. And all sorts of things. And the young man, well, all he could think about was how beautiful she was. And he never noticed when she put her hand into his pocket. And took out the golden scissors and hid them. Well, after a while, the young man went up to his room. And the companion was there, and he said, How did you get on? Oh well, fine. She told me that I had to keep a pair of golden scissors for her until the next day, and then she would... That would be the first of three tasks done. Hmm. And these the scissors, said the companion, uh, You have them on you, do you? Well, of course, she says, yet they're here. And he put his hand in his pocket, but they were not there, because the princess had stolen them away. Oh, what am I to do? Never mind, said the companion. I'll help you get them back. Now the companion went down to the stables. And in the stable, as well as horses, as you would expect to find in a stable, there was a ram. it was no ordinary ram, though a huge, big black ram. Well, this was... A magic ram, which belonged, well, you'll see who it belongs to later. But it belonged now to the princess. And the companion went over to the ram and said to it, When does your mistress, the princess, when does she go to see her lover tonight? I can't tell you that, bleated the ram. Well, he lifted the sword that he'd taken from the first troll's home, and he struck the ram between the horns, right on the head, with the sword. Ow! said the ram. Tell me, when does the princess go to see her lover tonight? I can't tell you, bleated the ram. Whack! He hat him again a second time, right between the horns on the head. "'Ow!' said the ram. "'She goes at eleven o'clock tonight!' "'Thank you,' said the companion. And then the companion went away, and he came back later, near to eleven o'clock, and he put on the three-sister hat. Now this was no ordinary hat, of course, This hat made the wearer invisible, so no one could see him. And he waited by the goat until the princess came down at eleven o'clock. And then she took out a horn from a pocket in her dress. And inside the horn there was an ointment. It was a magic ointment. She rubbed it between the ram's horns and said, Alof! aloft fly over rooftop and church spire over land and water over hill and dale and take me to my lover tonight and when she said that the ram started to float up into the air you see it was a magic ram and it could run through the air faster than it could run along the ground the companion quickly chomped up onto the back of the ram as well, behind the princess. But of course she couldn't see him, because he was wearing the three-sister hat, so he was invisible. And up into the air they arose, and away went the ram at a huge speed all the way to a mountain. And when they got to the mountain, the princess knocked on the side of it, and the door opened, and in she went, and the companion went in behind her. And there she went to her lover. Her lover was a troll, a huge, hideous, ugly troll. Now, why would a beautiful princess be in love with a troll, you might be asking yourselves? That's a very good question, and I'll tell you. It was because the troll had cast a spell on her. She was under an enchantment. The troll controlled her, and she was in love with the troll. She sat next to him, cuddling into him, and she said, Well, my friend, she said, I have another suitor come wanting my hand in marriage. And I told him that he had to keep safe a pair of golden scissors and give me back to them tomorrow. Ah," said the troll. Did he, and will he be able to do that? I don't think so, said the princess, because, and she took out the golden scissors, here they are, and they laughed. The two of them laughed. Well, she said, Take them and hide them well. So the troll went off to a great big iron chest that had three great locks on it. And he unlocked the three locks with the one key. And he opened the lid and he put the golden scissors into the chest. And as quickly as he did that, the companion snatched them and hid them in his pocket. The troll never noticed. Trolls aren't very smart anyway. And he closed the lid and he locked the three locks. And then, just to make sure, he hid the key in an old, hollow, rotten tooth of his. The one that had given him so much toothache. But he hid the key inside the tooth and he thought, he'll never find the key there. And then he went back to the princess. And they had a lovely night together, and then when she came to leave, the companion followed her on to the back of her goat, and they flew back to the castle. And then the companion ran up the stairs to the young man, and he gave him back the golden scissors. And the next morning he went down... <laughs> Well, it wasn't morning, it was late morning, and they were having a... a lunch, a lovely meal, though. And then it was midday, and the princess, who the whole time she had been sitting there, had ignored the young man. She was cold and snooty and stiff, and never looked in his direction. And then, after they'd finished eating, she turned to him, and she smiled a sweet, sweet smile, and said, So, did you manage to keep the golden scissors safe? I did, he said, and he took the scissors out of his pocket, and he slammed them into the table, drove them into the table in front of the princess, so that they stuck a long way into the table, and it made all the dishes on the table chomp. And it made the king start, and the princess went as white as a sheet. It was definitely the same scissors, right enough, but how could he have got them? But she managed to compose herself again, and she smiled. Well, thank you, she said. I will have another task for you this evening. And sure enough, after they'd eaten again that evening, she gave him a ball of golden yarn. And she said, keep this ball of golden yarn safe until tomorrow and give it back to me at midday. And if you don't manage to do that, then your head will be joining the others on the wall. That's the law, she said. Well, then she got playful again and started cavorting with him and playing and tickling him and dancing with him and chomping around. And oh, they were just behaving like a pair of bairns. Well, of course, little did he know, but she slipped her hand in his pocket and stole back the golden yarn and took it back to her room. When the young man went back upstairs to the companion, he told him what he had to do, and he goes, And do you have the ball of yarn, said the companion? Yeah, it's right. Oh, it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. "'Well, maybe I can help you again,' said the companion. "'And he went down to the blacksmiths with his sword, "'and he got the blacksmith to put twelve crowbars on the sword "'so that it weighed, ooh, ever so much. "'And then he went back to the ram, and he said, "'When does the princess go to her lover tonight?' "'I can't tell you.' "'Whack!' right between the horns. He hit him with a sword, and it was so heavy that sparks flew from the the skull of the ram. Ow! said the ram. Midnight. She comes at midnight. Thank you, said the companion. And that night he put on the three-sister hat again that made him invisible, and princess came down and she rubbed the ointment between the ram's horns and said aloft aloft fly over rooftop and church spire over land and water over hill and dale bring me to my lover tonight and the goat rose up into the air and the companion leaped up onto his back behind the princess and away they went back to the mountain she knocked on the door it opened she went inside And she said to the troll, So, did you take care of the golden scissors? Well, of course, she said. I locked them in the chest with three locks, and I hid the key inside my rotten hollow tooth. Then, how come he had them? she said, and held up the golden scissors. Well, the troll couldn't understand it. He pulled the the key out of his rotten tooth, and he went back to the chest, and he unlocked it, and it was empty. This one, she said, is tricky. This one could be a problem. So I asked them to look after a ball of yarn. Oh, and where is it? It's right here, she said. And the two of them laughed together again. And then she said, right, now what can we do to get rid of them? This one's cunning. Well, they decided that the best thing to do would be to build a big fire and burn it. That would be safe. So the troll built a huge fire, and then the princess tossed the ball of golden yarn into the flames. But the companion caught it before it went in, and they never noticed. And he put it in his pocket, And when the princess left, he left with her, back up the stairs of the castle, back to to his friend, and gave him back the ball of golden yarn. The next day, when the young man had had his meal, and the princess, who was sitting there all stiff and icy again and not looking at him, turned to him with a sweet smile and said, So, did you manage to keep the ball of yarn that I gave you? Yes, I did, he said, and he took it out, and he slammed it down on the table in front of her so hard that it made the table chomp, and it made the king chomp as well. And the princess's face went as white as a sheet, but she knew that it was definitely the yarn. And she thought, This one, this one is just too clever. I'm going to have to think something really good to get them for the third one. So, that night, after they had eaten, then she turned to him again with a smile and said, For your next task, your third and final task, I want you to bring me what I am thinking of now. And that was it. No cavorting around, no dancing, no tickling, no playing. No. She went up to her room, and the poor young man went upstairs to the companion, and he said, Well, I'm as good as dead. How come? Well, she wants me to bring her what she was thinking of. How can I know that? Maybe I can help you, said the companion. And he went down to the blacksmith's, and he got him, to fix another 24 crowbars onto that sword. And he went back to the stable, to the ram, and he went whack right between the horns. And the noise of it was so loud that it rang around the whole land. And the the ram said, Ow! When time does she leave to see her lover tonight? One o'clock in the morning, said the ram. "'Thank you,' said the companion. "'And when she came down at one o'clock, "'he put on the three-sister hat again, "'so he was invisible. "'And she rubbed the ointment on to the ram between the horns, "'and she said, "'Aloft, aloft, "'over rooftop and church spire, "'over land and water, "'over the hill and valley, "'take me to my lover tonight. "'And with that,' The goat started to rise up into the air, and again the companion chomped up on the back of her. And as they rode along, he hit and punched and nipped at the princess. Ow, 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 sore, she said. Now, she thought it was the weather was bad, but the companion had kind of had enough. Now... On the road till they got to the mountain, and then she knocked the door It opened. they went in, and she was complaining so much about, oh, I never knew you could have such weather. Look at me, I'm all black and blue, I'm sore all over. Well, how did he get on? Well, not very well, because he had the wool. That's not possible, said the troll. Well, she did. We have to be careful of this one, he's tricksy. "'Well, what did you ask him to do now?' (laughs) "'Ha, ha, ha, well,' she said, "'I asked him to bring me what I was thinking of.' "'Well, what were you thinking of?' said the troll. "'I was thinking of your head,' said the princess, "'and then the two of them roared and laughed together again, "'because there was no way he was ever going to get that.' He's not likely to get that, is he? No, he is not, said the troll. Now again, the companion was there and had everything. And, but then, you know, the princess was wary and she said, You know, it was almost as if somebody was on the back of the ram with me, hitting me. And I I don't feel safe about going home by myself. It might be someone. He might kill me. You have to come with me. All right, said the troll. And so he went down to where he had one of the magic rams as well. And he rubbed the ointment on it, and he said the words. And the two of them set off, and they flew through the sky. Now the companion climbed up onto the back of the ram that was carrying the troll this time, not the princess. And as they flew along... The companion was beating the troll with his sword, and the troll was getting more and more sore, and he was hitting the ram too, and the ram was getting lower and lower until he was nearly falling and hitting trees. But the troll was worried that he was losing pace with the princess, so he followed her anyway until they got right down to the castle. And then, once he'd seen that she was off the ram, and in through the door and safe, he was going to set off back home. But the companion raised the sword, and he swung it, and it chopped off the troll's head. And he wrapped it up in a sack, and he took it up to the young man, and he gave it to him, and said, There you go, that is what the princess was thinking of. Well, <clears throat> down they went the next day, and he ate his meal, and then the princess, who was all cold and icy and stuffy with him and stiff and not saying anything, said, well, did you bring me the thing that I was thinking of? Indeed I did, he said, and he pulled out the sack with the troll's head in it, and he threw the troll's head down on the table in front of the princess. There, he said, that's what you were thinking of. And the table broke under the force that he threw the troll's head down with. Well, the princess was shocked and she had to admit that yes, it indeed was what she had been thinking of. Now, the king said that he had done the three things that she had asked and so... He could marry her. But that night, the companion said to him, You know, you have to be careful with her. She's still under troll enchantment. You see, she's wearing a troll hide. And she will never be free of the spell until that troll hide is stripped from her. And the only way that you can do that is to follow my advice. Now, tomorrow night when you go to bed after your wedding, pretend to go to sleep. But don't sleep. If you fall asleep, it'll be the end of you. Because she will try to kill you. But then you must grab her. And you must beat her with nine brooms made of birch twigs. I have nine brooms under the bed. You must beat her with those until you've worn out all nine brooms. And then you must throw her into a bath full of last year's whey. That's the water that comes out of cheese when you're making it. Then you must dump her into a bath that is full of sour milk and then you must dump her into a bath that is full of sweet fresh milk and then the troll hide will be off her and she will be herself again so the next day the two of them were married a great feast was held <clears throat> the princess was all sweetness and light and dancing with her husband and all the time she was thinking tonight my boy You're dead. Now they went to bed, and the young man rolled over and went to sleep. And the princess got herself up on one elbow, and she leaned over him, and she tickled him under the nose, but he carried on sleeping. Then she tugged at his hair, but he carried on sleeping. She tugged at his beard, but he carried on sleeping. And then she reached under her pillow, and she took out a huge butcher's knife and she was going to cut his head off but he sprung up and grabbed her and pulled the knife from her hand and then he beat her with the nine brooms until he'd worn all the bristles out of them right down and he wore out all nine of them and then he picked her up and he dumped her in the tub that was full Of last year's way. And when he did that. He could see her. For what she was. She was actually. A horrible troll. She wasn't really a troll. She was wearing a troll hide. It was part of the enchantment. But she looked horrible. Terrifying to look at. He scrubbed at her again. And then he picked her up. And he dumped her into the sour milk. And he scrubbed her again. More of the troll hide started coming away. She started to look more like a human again until he dumped her into the sweet, fresh milk. And then she stood up a beautiful young woman, just the way that she should have been. And the enchantment was completely gone from her. She was free of the spell that had trapped her. And oh, she was so thankful to him for saving her from that terrible fate. Well, the king got together the dowry for his daughter, which was a lot of money. But the companion had been busy that night too, because he had gone back to the mountain where the troll lived, and he fetched back all the gold and silver and jewels "'that the troll had stolen and hoarded up there. "'And it was such a massive pile "'that it filled the courtyard of the castle "'they could hardly get out the door for it. "'This,' said the companion to the young man, "'is now yours. "'Now he'd also brought back from the troll's lair in the mountain.' Six magic goats. So he would have brought five back with him, because, of course, the princess had one already. So he had the six magic goats, and they piled all the riches onto the backs of the goats until the goats couldn't carry any more. But, you know, it still wasn't all the troll's wealth. There was still a good pile left in the courtyard. But this the young man left behind for the king. And then they set off along the road home, back to where the young man lived with his mother and father. Now, they walked along the road until eventually the rams couldn't carry the load anymore. It was too heavy for them. It was so heavy that they couldn't fly. It kept them pinned on the ground. But they couldn't walk anymore either. And so the companion he picked up all the treasure off the back of them, and he piled them on to his own back, and he flung the six rams on top, and he walked off carrying all that load with him. Well, he got to within half a mile of the young man's home, and he said, "I must leave you now." "You can't leave me now," he said. To the young man, "No." come home with me. You can't leave me. I, I I, owe you everything. Well, he said, I can come with you a little bit further. So he walked that last half a mile till they were just about at the house of the young man. And then he said, I cannot go another step. You must come in and meet my parents and we must give you a meal. No, 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 he said. I, I don't need anything. But I have to go. Well, will I see you again? Yeah, you'll see me in five years' time. After five years I will come back and I will want half of everything that you've bred in that time. Well, the man hugged the companion and thanked him and they wept. And then he turned around and he went on his way. Now, the young man came home. He walked into the house empty-handed. And then, after they'd had something to eat, he told them all about who his new wife was, that she was the princess, and that outside there was a huge fortune in gold. And, you know, it took them all that winter with the six goats and with 12 horses that his father owned to carry All the wealth back to their house. Well, a huge place was built for the young man and the princess. And after five years, there was a knock at the door, and he went to answer it, and there was the companion. I've come back, as I said, one last time after five years. Now, do you have my reward? I do, he said. I have divided everything that we got from the trolls' hoard there into two equal halves. Half of that, my friend, is yours. Yes, said the companion. But I also said, if you may remember, that I wanted half of everything that you've bred. And in the five years you've bred a child. You have a daughter. I do. Then you must divide her as well between us. Yeah. Yes, said the man. I must. I I made a vow. And he took the sword, the same one that they had taken from the old troll woman's lair, and he raised it over his head to strike his little girl, right down the middle, right in two. But before the sword came down, the companion gripped the blade and said, you don't have to do that. Well, the young man was so relieved. And the companion said to him, I bet you're happy you didn't have to do that. Oh, he said, I have I've never felt happier in my whole life. Well, said the companion, that is the way that you made me feel when you paid for my funeral. I was the vintner, the wine-tapper, that was encased in that block of ice, and you spent the last money that you had to give me a decent burial so that my soul could be a peace and I begged in heaven to be allowed to return to help you and I was told that I could be of help to you for a year no longer and so when I left you that was the time that the year was up and I also had permission to come back to you again after five years just to see how you were getting on but now I have to go and we will not see each other again. For now I can return to heaven, and my soul can be at peace, thanks to you. And the companion turned around and walked away, and the young man and the princess never saw him again.